everyone, this is Regina. So glad you could join us today. We want you to know that we record live on Clubhouse every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's get into our discussion today. Absolutely. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we're thankful and grateful for another day, another opportunity, another uh, divine moment in time that you are allowing us to come together as your people, as people that are seeking truth, as people that are seeking deeper levels of faith. And, and uh, we just ask that you would help us, Lord, in our journeys, individual and collectively, that we would expose uh, more and more of the demonic realm, allowing us to see all of the travesties and pitfalls that the enemy has set before us. Help us, Father, that as we en engage in this conversation today, that this would be a conversation that you would be glorified to the maximum glory, and that everyone that is here and everyone that shows up, even on our replays, that they would be enriched, encouraged, revived, renewed, and strengthened, ready to, to carry on the work of the kingdom. We thank you for awakening us for helping us to be truly woke up. And we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. Um, we are going to start. We're still in chapter two. And today we're going to talk about race being weaponized. And so what I would like to do is just read a few paragraphs from that. And then we... I'll turn it over to Kevin and then Lonnie and Neil when he comes in to get into the discussion. Yeah, it's good. After race classification was unleashed and accepted by the scientific community, it was, hold on, let me see something here. You know what? I'm trying to decide if I need to read a page earlier. No. Are you saying oh or no? I said oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, let me start um, a page earlier because it, it kind of sets the a foundation. The term race was unleashed without proper definition. It provides a great example of what can happen when a word is invented without considering impacts and outcomes. DNA studies confirm there are marginal differences between those of white ethnicities and those with higher melanin counts, blacks and others with darker skin. Race therefore hardly qualifies as a worthy distinction. Practically speaking, this makes race hard to define. Perhaps it is still undefined. Is race strictly understood based on skin color? Is it synonymous with and should be considered as interchangeable with the term ethnicity? What is the distinction between race and ethnicity? Without proper context and distinction, race has taken on a life unto itself. It has been recklessly unleashed and ultimately weaponized as a primary way to assert supremacy. Race was unleashed as a new distinction in the 1700s by Johann Friedrich Blumenbach, a German naturalist and anthropologist. 
was the first to divide the human species into five races in 1779. In 1793, his research led him to create classifications based on intricate studies of skulls and brain formations. From his studies, Blumenbach classified the Caucasian race, Europe, the Caucasians, Asian Minor, North Africa, and West Asia, the Mongolian race, East Asia, Central Asia, and South Asia, the Ethiopian race, Sub-Saharan Africa, the American race, North America and South America, and the Malayan race, Southeast Asia. As this works propagated over the following decades, additional races and classifications would continue to be added. Blumenbach's work is significant to us today because he found no scientific reason or rationale to classify blacks as inferior to others. Notwithstanding Blumenbach's findings, naturalists in his area embrace what is deemed scientific racism, which classifies the distinguishing races as inferior to whites, whites Caucasian being the superior race. They use Blumenbach's work as justification for race, classification, and discrimination. Blumenbach may be the father of race classification, but he did not embrace racism. People after him would attempt to weaponize race by asserting superiority, harboring their own malicious malevolent, malevolent racist intent. Their intentions can by no means be based on scientific principle. So now we get to race being weaponized. After race classification was unleashed and accepted by the scientific community, it was unscrupulously weaponized to justify partiality and favoritism between people groups. Most notably, race was malevolently enlisted to help assuage any guilt while giving credence to evil people hell-bent on maltreatment of people groups, summarily deemed subhuman. Some of the most notorious maltreatments can be best discerned by reflecting on the treatment of imported enslaved Africans to America as compared to others. Due to the immutable characteristics of skin color alone, African slaves have been deemed members of the black race and subjugated to another newly enshrined racism, race category of whites, Caucasians. Notably, with race classification, there was an entire demographic of American whites that without guilt or remorse felt blacks were subhuman and should be viewed and treated as property. Because of constantly emerging scientific evidence, albeit skewed and flawed, whites viewed themselves as being the most favored race. Therefore, all other races were summarily viewed as lower, only partially evolved or even subhuman. Where did the slave owning whites get the idea that blacks were a race that was not fully human and therefore could or should be treated in inhumane ways? So, I mean, I have said a mouthful yet and I have not even gotten to Darwin. Um, anyone want to comment <laughs> or say anything? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, so I had the had 
real uh, great experience at the movies this weekend. There is a movie right now that's playing. It's called The Woman King. And Viola Davis is actually playing as a woman warrior. It's a, based on a true story. It's a fantastic movie. There's no cursing, no sex, no, it's just wonderful. But it actually characterizes some of this. It actually characterizes some of this. What it does a good job of illuminating is, I don't know about you all, but when I was growing up, I was just strictly told, white man went to Africa, conquered Africa, took some slaves, and brought them to America and sold them to, uh, you know, to Americans, uh, the Europeans, basically, uh, supposedly did all this. What's, what's really accurate, though, is that no Europeans go over to Africa and fully conquer her. Come on, man. Here's the deal. It was a, it was a tribal, they would, have been, they would have been slaughtered. I mean, it was tribal and everything else. So they had to negotiate with African kings. The African kings of these various tribes are the ones who sold other Africans that they, that they conquered from other tribal uh, areas. And in this movie, it literally did not sugarcoat that. It fully depicted what happened. Europeans came over and negotiated and tried to be, you know, nice to African tribal leaders. Those African tribal leaders are the ones who literally sold blacks into slavery, uh, you know, Africans into slavery to Europeans that then imported them here. Now, this doesn't absolve the Europeans. This is not what I'm saying. And it certainly doesn't absolve the Americans, uh, plantation owners, the, the, the folks who were, you know, and there are southern, southern regions of, of the United States. So I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the, the, the thought, the mindset needs to change about what actually happened. Um, the reality is, is um, we were sold by other blacks, black Africans, okay? So, so here's the deal. Um, we were not viewed as subhuman. We were viewed as, as you know, from an economic perspective. Uh, when the U.S. plantation owners purchase slaves, they saw easy money because they can get that free labor. They did not see subhumans. They did not see these people are not, uh, don't have intellectual capacity. They saw economic opportunism. It wasn't until later that the gentleman that, or the, 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 the ferocious demon that we're talking about, that actually then depicted blacks as subhuman and gave some sort of scientific justification for uh, maltreatment of blacks compared to every other race, that, that that began to cement as, oh, oh yeah, we got a bunch of blacks on my plantation. We didn't treat them any old kind of way because, hey, guess what? We have the scientific community saying, look, it's all good. They ain't even human. We can do what we want. So this was, uh, this is how it happened. And, uh, you know, so the main point is that I, I hope that everybody begins to see is that there was a real scheme here. It was made up. It was evil. It was not scientific. It was purely opportunistic. So uh, I hope that makes sense to, to the folks here, but 
Um, and we can talk more about it. I don't want to steal Lonnie's thunder or anybody else. So you guys can continue. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I would chime in and say um, kudos to how you positioned that um, old let the truth rang out. Um, I remember as reflecting on this part in uh, world history as it relates to Africa and Europeans when common sense sets in and I begin to think about, you know, this thing that uh, we went over and, or uh, Europeans went over and took slaves from Africa from Africa and um, I just started doing some research and determine, okay, what did they use? Um, I think they had British frigates and galleons and Portuguese man of wars and the ships they used all wooden back then. And what's the maximum number of uh, um, individuals who, who, who manned those ships? And, and there was really somewhere between what, uh, 50 and less than uh, 100 um, individuals on those ships that would go over um, to Africa. And I said, well, okay, your African tribes were sizable, uh, hundreds of thousands, uh, the bigger tribes and so forth could maybe even get up into the, uh, the lower millions. And, and, and so exactly how did they do that utilizing the weaponry they had at the time? And they had flintlocks and blunderbuss and, and those types of weapons. And I said, how long does it take to load and fire one of those archaic guns that they had. They also had cannons, but you still had to load those up. And so it hit me that, okay, so they fire one of those ancient weapons. Let's say they hit, uh, shoot and hit somebody, they got to reload. And when I started, remember learning about Shaka Zulu and what he did to the British and others, um, I mean, he laid sway to them because he had the numbers and he had the intellect and the knowledge of warfare and how to succeed. So it hit me like a Mack truck that, wait a minute, Europeans didn't take any, anybody from Africa. As you so eloquently stated, they negotiated with the kings and so forth that ran those tribes and so forth through that part of Africa. And that's how they acquired those, um, uh, those, uh, uh, those slaves that they brought um, to America and Europe and other parts of the world. And so, you know, the truth, when the truth comes out, it, it gives you illumination as to what really took place, you put it in perspective and the time and point in history, and I think you touched on as well, it was all about economics because um, uh, black Africans were participating in slavery. Whatever tribe they vanquished um, would in turn become um, slaves un unto their particular kingdom and province. And that's what was done throughout the world. And so when you put that in perspective, you no longer see us as perpetual victims, those of us with the darker paint job, there was other things that were taking place and we were participant in that, um, given the fact that slavery is horrible as it is and what happened to us, those who came to America and other parts of the world, but you gotta take it all in context, amen? Oh, I'm done, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Yes, you do have to take it all into context and that part about um that the purchase of slaves had to be negotiated uh with those who were in charge almost defeats the whole idea that we're subhuman because you had to negotiate with people who look like me in order to you know obtain this workforce 
So that is, um, that is definitely very helpful. And also as we get into more, as I read more about the weaponizing of race, we have to, you know, begin to challenge some of the things that we thought were true, right? Even if, you know, we, I know for myself, I couldn't point to a place in history where I'm like, oh yeah, I learned that, I remember that, you know, but now as I'm thinking back, I'm like, where did I get that idea from? And so now facing these facts, like, okay, let's challenge and let's really dig in. Uh, so let me continue uh, in the book here, and then we'll go into more dialogue. Though the scourge of slavery raged in the southern states in America prior to and into the mid-1800s, subjugating people groups based solely on race claimed full scientific justification in the mid-1800s. New studies and theories about race were championed and relied upon as confirmation of racial differences. Unfortunately, these theories not only cemented the resolve of racists to continue guiltless maltreatment of members of the black race via slavery also prolonging it, they also confirmed and enshrined standards of white supremacy solely based on the newly created linguistic distinction of race. Who could be so cold and calculating to the extent of encouraging further unleashing and proliferation of racial distinction? Who ultimately provided confirmation and justification for grotesque, racist partiality and maltreatment of blacks under the auspices of white supremacy? Here's a hint. It came from an elitist who was viewed as having scientific and anthropological authority. His work notoriously incorporated new linguistic distinctions as part of his theory. To this very day, he has mass appeal globally. Who was he? The culprit who rejected Blumenbach's findings that, Blake, that blacks were not to be subcategorized and malevolently asserted otherwise was none other than Charles Robert Darwin. A rudimentary understanding of the power of linguistics and the part it can play in the unleashing of new actions, ideas, and philosophies helps grasp how one man can bring forth generations of suffering and destruction even through wholly unproven theories. Darwin unleashed a beast that carried new anthropological sociological and ontological significance. Among numerous other insidious notions, his ideas institutionalized racism and white supremacy, allowing it to become part of the interwoven fabric of all societies and cultures worldwide. Woked Up is designed to unpack and present unfiltered truth so we can be set free. In truth, the complex of language, words, distinctions, social vocabulary is used to help us distinguish the world. Some, world, some words help create entire nomenclatures and thought that can rapidly translate into new levels of thinking and innovation. 
For this reason, words should be scrutinized and precisely defined because once unleashed, as we've seen, they can produce myriad unintended consequences. If someone who is heralded as an authority creates and unleashes new distinctions, then new social patterns and accepted parlance can be quickly disseminated, allowing the world to change practically overnight. Through Darwin, racism and white supremacy were fully linguistic distinctions given authoritative credence and institutionally accepted. The transition from language to idea system meant blacks suffered by being labeled subhuman and treated as such, and it prolonged the incalculable suffering of blacks continuing to this very day. This is how racism and white supremacy were unleashed and our world is forever changed for the worse. While Charles Darwin is a notable scientific icon, this doesn't preclude him or his diabolical theories from serious scrutiny. Actor Denzel Washington provides humor and wisdom to help govern our assessment of Charles Darwin and his machinations. With so many things coming back into style, I can't wait until morals, respect, and intelligence become a trend again. Denzel Washington, are you woked up yet? So that ends uh, our chapter and the section where we were discussing race being weaponized. Um, and so again, I'm going to give it to Kevin and Lonnie to comment on, on what I've just read. But I would like to share one of the things that has been happening for me in this process is really looking at the way that words have defined our world and the way that world's words have created systems and belief structures even if it's not true you know that's the thing <laughs> even if it's not true it creates an environment it's like um, the story when, or the example people say, you know, if you grew up and your parents called you dumb and stupid and dumb and stupid and you'll never amount to anything. Whether that's true or not, they don't know, but as a child with that formed, you believe it. And it may take you years into adulthood or even old age before you come to the record, before you realize that, wow, those words so crippled me from doing and becoming all that I could possibly be. And so I think as we look at this, we can see how the words have not only crippled people of a darker pigmentation, but everybody else around us, whether they were darker skin or not. Uh, because when you disable something with such great ability, then you, in, in, a F, in effect, you hamper your own progression of moving forward, right? They say a rising tide lifts all boats. But if you're hampering this one part, which could help to lift everything as well, uh, you, in effect, are being hurt um, by the situation and the words that you're creating. 
So Kevin, I turn it over to you. Yeah, so uh, that's exactly right, Regina. Thank you for that. Um, you know, the point is, is that uh, when you have incredible, well-respected, world-renowned, and that, and at that time, Darwin was, and he's still today, ironically, um, uh, people who give distinction, real or imagined, it doesn't matter whether it's 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 actually is valid or not. When they give distinction to new way to new words, it gives distinction to new thinking. Prior to blacks being labeled subhuman by Darwin, there was a context that blacks were just blacks. Now some of them are jacked up because they now have to be my servant. They have to slave me on my, they have to slave for me on my plantation. Uh, sorry, too bad for you, you you know, you black folks, but hey, I paid for you, you're mine, and uh, that's the way we're gonna do this. But there was no real thinking, you know, uh, that they were subhuman, that they literally can be treated less than human until Darwin made the distinction. Um, it, now, he, he may have had some, his own rash, rationale and reasons, but it doesn't matter. Uh, his, his, his reasons cause all kinds of suffering that we have to unwind even to this very day. Now, some of his reasons were his evolution theories. He needed to show, demonstrate somehow, that there is a classification or a race of people that are still lower on the evolutionary scale. So he decided, look, look at, look at the blacks, you know, they're like gorillas, apes, you know, we can, they're subhuman. We can put them on that scale and, and, and do that. And it was after that then that the whole, a whole nut, a whole level of maltreatment then took place because people didn't have a moral um, conscious about those individuals anymore. It was more, hey, look, we're not really harming anybody. This is this person's not even fully evolved yet. So, or this thing is not even fully evolved yet. So it's it's cool. We may have to go through a couple cycles of slaves and and kill them and, and blow them out until we get to a real rational black person. You know, I, I mean, I'm just trying to I'm trying to put my mindset in the mindset of a point. And this is likely how they were thinking because of Darwin's proclamation. So uh, but as you so astutely, astutely said, Regina, that clearly if you had to go with your hat in hand and negotiate with African warlords, African kings, African tribal leaders, uh, clearly they were not subhuman. These are thinking, uh, astute people that if you don't be, if you don't, the, the Europeans and what this movie captures so well and the woman king, again, I highly recommend it. If you didn't deal with them correctly, you are not going to make it off that continent. They was going to jack you up it, it, from Europe or whatever. They didn't care. They were tribal. So, uh, you know, it was some sincere negotiation that these Europeans had to do to just extricate whatever, you know, amount of slaves they can get. 
and uh, you don't you don't you don't have to do that with people or or things that are really subhuman. You have to do that with people who are obviously intellectual, thoughtful, and have you know economic realities of their own in mind, which these tribal African leaders did. So. Um, so clearly Darwin uh, unleashed something though in America. Now these European travelers, I don't think they had, I don't think they believed the subhuman stuff. But in America, when all they heard from was this scientific mind who was well-respected and heralded saying that blacks are subhuman, yeah, they can go with that. It, it, was, it was perfect for them. It gave them cover, allowed them to do whatever they wanna do. And uh, that's how we actually had an ongoing uh, disrespect and, and maltreatment of, of black slaves on these plantations. So. Lonnie, go ahead. Sure. Thank you, Regina. Um, <clears throat> And many things pop in, into my mind, uh, uh, mainly uh, how revered Charles Darwin became. And I think it ultimately ties to uh, man's uh, inhumanity against his fellow man, you know, at our baser instinct, uh, uh, the things that drive us, that. Uh, as, 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 the, as the word would say, that uh, uh, sin is in us, in a, is in us all, and our without walking in lockstep with He who made us all, we're suspect to fall into uh, beliefs and things of um, that we're better than. And so I don't know how you go from seeing someone who just happens to have a darker paint job, if you will, then you have that you see that individual as being less than and then you can justify your behavior by how you uh, treat this, this fellow human being, um, because society or culture says so. But I, I'm just uh, amazed, I guess, that Darwin was had such a presence. And, uh, and, and Kevin, I want to thank you again for this, you know, the, in digging into this topic and doing the history to show what took place back during that particular time um, that ended up with what we end up uh, having to justify uh, taking uh, individuals into slavery. Although slavery has been around for a long time, it was around during Jesus time, um, but to the degree it was done um, here in the States and um, in other parts of the world um, by one man's idea, you know, uh, Christ, was one man who touched 12 men who changed the world. And here is with Darwin, one man whose belief system and uh, flawed uh, logic in creating something and then justifying it by um, evolution, which first of all throws the belief in a one true God out the window, therefore justifies uh, behavior that people took on for what ended up happening here in the States. And it's, um, it's it, for, for me, it's it's fascinating, but it does speak to the the, the bigger uh, searching for words here. There, if we, um, though small in number, but speak truth, 
can have the same impact that we change the world as well. Um, but by, by speaking truth, we can turn the tide, if you will, um, and, and, and return, excuse me, and, and replace such behavior and, and thought processes that take place, even in our nation today, um, by just simply speaking truth. So that's just the thoughts that right off the top of my head. Regina? Sorry, I had to um, I, I had to try to get back to my screen so I could get to the mute button. I was trying to look something up. <laughs> I was trying to look something up. You know, so the question I have is just for us that are listening and thinking, okay, so who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, so Darwin said this. He made it subhuman and slavery happened back then and people were treated more inhumane because after his studies came out so what someone answer that question for me why does it matter now aren't we just stoking the fires aren't we just trying to cause division i love playing devil's advocate <laughs> he is funny. that is yeah that that is wonderful and that is a wonderful question and it's why we are launching our alternative uh, racial unity training and certification. Here's the thing. Um, as I was writing this book, that's the same question that occurred to me. It's okay. People can easily d dismiss and say, look, Darwin, okay, fine. He was demonic. He was jacked up. He just did what he did. Darwin's over. No, not so. Here's the issue with Darwin. His works are pervasive, K through 16. 95% of all scientists to this very day are purportedly embracing Darwin in his all of his theories or most or some. Darwin's influence is systemic throughout. Now, here's the issue. Some people will say, well, he, he really hasn't had an impact on me. Uh, yes, he has. Because when we come in contact with people, just I'm talking about just basic human behavior and how it's evolved. We have some level of partiality, all of us. I see my bros up the street. I'm going to give them some dap and say, hey, what's up? What, what, what? I see other people who happen to be another race. I may or may not. Now, me, I happen, I happen to, to try to greet everybody. But I'm just saying, I'm just trying. We're, let's just use some examples, because some of us really believe that hey, we're better than other people. That is not a thought that we actually had prior to Darwin. That's a thought that has evolved as a result of Darwin's work. This whole idea of supremacy. That, hey, me and my tribe, we're better than these other people, man. We do it right. Uh, you know, you have people that come from, uh, let's say they're coming from Mexico. They're coming to America and they're saying, look, you, you Americans, you jacked up. You guys don't rever, you know, your faith foundations. We, we people, yeah, we may be sneaking in or we may be getting in how we're getting in. But you know what? 
we got it right. We're going to keep our families intact. We're going to keep our this and that intact. And therefore, we're, you know, we're, we're much better than Americans. You have Africans that come over from Nigeria today, and they look at Black, black Americans, and they have a similar mindset. Now, it may not be nefarious or, you know, malevolent. They, they may not have a, um, uh, a racial hatred core to it. But they have, look, you guys, we're better than that. Our, my people, my ethnicity, we're better. Prior to Darwin, there was no, there was no distinction for being, uh, you know, what one group of people, one race of people being better. We had opportunistic uh, ethnicities that would run into each other and tribes that would run into each other and try to conquer and do that. We had hatred, we had evil. But there was no, like, how could I assert that I'm literally better than you? That because of you and your people and your, you guys don't, all the, all the elevators don't go to the top and you guys are just wound up over stupidness. Uh, we're much better than that. That's the distinction that Darwin brought in, was this idea that literally, we're not all just human. No, we're not all human. There's literally some humans and people groups that are literally better than others. So, and that's ingrained. And it's not just an American thing. That is global now. It's a global thing that we think in terms of we're better, we're supreme. Uh, prior to Darwin, making that distinction amongst races, it was opportunistic. Hey, you're from this tribe. I'm from this tribe. I don't trust you. I don't like you. But it was no like, hey, we're just better. We're better people. Where'd that come from? We're all just human. We, you're from a different city. I'm from a different, you know, whatever. I, I hope this is making sense because we we this is a nuance, but it is a real nuance. We cannot forget this. It's significant. I do. I think that um, you know what we're really getting down to <clears throat> I'm trying to put my thoughts together so I use few words <laughs> uh, to get my point across I think um, what we're getting down to is that if you look from the 1800s to now that is what maybe 220 years Right? If you say mid-1800s, you know, less than 200 years. Well, technically, mankind has been on the planet at least 1,800 years. And before that, we didn't get to this. We didn't get to this. So somehow, the acceleration of, is that what you're pointing out? That because the term was because science gave a reason to treat another group of people differently this is where we see the inhumanity in a sense come in and not just come in but then be justified and systematized for monetary gain right because it it wasn't to be inhumane just to be inhumane i was inhumane to you and treated you as such because you made me money. You know, if a slave got sick or broke a leg or whatever, they just killed him, you know? 
it it was they weren't investing money and such into them to make them better to educate them to help them grow or be better people so what you're saying is that once science legitimized the idea that this group of people were below you it almost gave justification for greed and for building and systematizing that your group of people are better. Am I getting close that, or not? Really? Yeah, 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 no, that's exactly what I'm saying. It, it, it gave rise, it gave credence. We talked about last week, what, what happens when you unleash recklessly. It unleashed a whole new mindset now. People were thinking of ways, well, man, if we can relegate this group of people, because clearly they're different, um, they're not as advanced, you know, they're still whatever, whatever. Uh, then that shows that we're superior over them. We could perhaps conquer them. We could perhaps relegate them to chattel slavery. We can perhaps do all kinds of, you know, different things, right? So, yeah, so it gave legitimacy to that level of thinking. On point, Kevin, in essence, uh once God was removed and, or godly beliefs were removed from the equation um, via bad science, it justified a change in behavior of uh, man to his fellow man. And um, I find that interesting um, because it is bad science. And, and anytime science goes up against what uh, the word of God says, um, you know, that which is coming forth afterwards, in this particular case, evolution, and then everything that followed from that. Um, you end up with uh, what's taken place historically as it relate, relates to uh, uh, racism and, uh, and every other nefarious thing that takes place uh, in the world in general. Exactly. Yeah. Bad science. Mm. I just, again, going back to uh, my previous statement, uh, how could one man have so much power, you know, uh, just based on him coming to terms with a uh, uh, his own personal belief system and, and evolution and then justifying it. And then it just, you look at every facet of society today and Darwinism is, is, is infused into it, education, uh, government, um, are, are, um, even, even the uh, seminaries today, there's seminaries that uh, profess Christ uh, today, but have accepted um, evolution and Darwinism to a degree. I don't know how both of those even morph together. Amen. Yep. Gina, back to you. Okay. <clears throat> um, this is, this is really thought provoking. And I think it's just even thought provoking for people the darker paint job Lonnie look at me using your phrase now <laughs> um, you know melanated black and brown skin to really uh, look at the challenge of understanding how this word has been weaponized and in such a way that it has a 
life of its own? And are there people who are riding the wave, you know, who are on the train to make money with it? Definitely. Um, but is that everybody that's Caucasian? No. You know, is that everyone who um, is has a place of authority? Are they looking to to weaponize race? No. So how do we tell the difference? How do we, you know, say? It's like we're wanting to have this, like, radar or something that can say, okay, well, you're a racist and you're not a racist. You're a white supremacist and you're not a white supremacist. Well, how do we know? How would you help me know? Because, and do I need to know? Does it matter? If I go to the grocery store, do I need to know whether or not the cashier is racist or not? Is that going to change my life? You know, well, what is it about understanding race being weaponized as a black person? I can see for white people, Caucasian people, you know, understanding this, that, that it's something that came in. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily mean that it's going to be hereditary, although we know that all men are evil, black, white, yellow, whatever, orange because that is our sin nature. We are not denying that there aren't evil people, but this systemization of racism and white supremacy, you know, knowing that how it formed, how it's now kind of moving through, but as an African-American person, do I need to know? Does it matter to me in my daily life whether or not my neighbor is a racist? I'm going to put that out there. Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, you know, fundamentally, what we're looking for is a transformation societally. You know, our entire civilization needs to change its mindset about our embrace of Darwinism because it has brought us to this point. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, it's fact. I mean, Darwinism is, I mean, this is what happened. So, um, you know, I wish we could, there was another several people that we could point to, but there's one person and this one person unleashed it. Okay. So, um, so here's the deal. Does it matter whether the grocer is racist or not? Uh, unless they're being malicious towards you. I say, you know, my, my, my definition of racism is it's always malicious. It's never accidental. Uh, ignorance, uh, prejudice, just based upon, you know, I just feel more comfortable with this group or that group or this tribe or that tribe. That's, that to me, to me is not racist. Racist is, look, I don't like you people. I don't like you for whatever reason. Uh, but they don't like entire people groups. Or, hey, I'm supreme to you, so therefore I can treat you however I want. Matter of fact, you got to bow to me practically. That's malicious. That's not accidental. That's not, you know, it's purposeful. So how we're treated at the store, we may have some, you know, we may have some preconceived notions about how we should be treated compared to the 
Caucasian person that went before us was greeted warmly. All of their stuff was laid out nicely at the check stand and the checker smiled at them the entire time. When we show up, the checker doesn't even, they just expect us to put our stuff up there and they don't even look at us. They don't even say nothing. They just like, wait, I'm just gonna run this through. I don't wanna say nothing to this person. That not that may not necessarily be racism. That's just, hey, I prefer, I feel more comfortable in my skin with this group of people compared to that. Malicious is much more obvious and intentional. They want to hurt some, they want to hurt you. So so it's not, in my opinion, important whether whether the checker has, you know, prejudices or preferences. Uh, but racism in its when it's actually activated in and and f- fully demonstrated in a malicious way, uh, yeah, it, it's a, those are important, and we need to call it out. Now, what I what we encourage in this book, what I encourage in this book is, look, now we know Darwin's uh, complicity with racism and white supremacy. So therefore, what we do is. We, 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 you know, we have a choice and the choice is simple. If, if you know that Darwin unleashed this stuff and was a diehard racist white supremacist, then you just renounce and denounce him like we would any other racist person. David Duke came up to your door and said, look, we was boys when we grew up. And I know, you know, I want to still keep our friendship because you say, no, bro, no. I'm going to renounce and denounce you. Don't ever come back up in here again. That's the same thing we need to do with Darwin. Same thing, exact same context. So once you understand the truth and you are still unwilling to run away, get away, completely denounce Darwinism, then you have to own your own label. That label of white supremacy, guess whose it is? It's yours. Guess who the racist is? Is you. Because you you still want to embrace this stuff. So so we do have choices. Um, and we do have ways that we could mitigate a lot of the racism. But it requires some courage to say, look, or I'm not putting up with any Darwinian thought whatsoever. When I see it, I'm going to speak against it. I'm going to stand against it. Because this is what the, the taproot of what happened. And uh, it's unacceptable. So that's how we deal with it. Back to you, Lonnie. I agree 100%, Kevin. Um, that's what we most do. I, I'm reminded of a, a, a story, uh, and you guys know I'm apt to share stories. Um, I moved to Northern California. I was born in Los Angeles, born and raised moved to Northern California for uh, a job. I was promoted and was working in Burlingame. This is in like uh, the early 80s. And I remember going to, there's a deli that I frequented um, that had good sandwiches. And so um, and going into the shop one day and there's a lady behind the counter and she would always give me this look. And um, so I naturally went to, well, she must be giving me that look because of how I look, my paint job. So finally I got around to, because um, we had built a relationship and she says to me, she says, you're not from around here, are you? I said, 
will know I relocated and uh, working here in Burlingame. She said, yeah, I thought so. So my assumption was that she thought that she had a problem with me because I was black. Her problem with, well, she didn't have a problem with me, but what her indication was, she said, well, I knew that, um, that you weren't from around here because you have an accent. And I said, I have a what? Yeah, you have an accent. You're from Southern California, aren't you? I said, yes, I am from Southern California. And then she went on to say, she says, yeah, yeah, we don't like Southern Californians. I, I said, you don't. And she, I said, well, why? She said, because you guys are taking all our water. So I had made certain assumptions and her view of me is solely based upon the fact that I came from a locale that in her view, in her mind, because she was born and raised in the Bay Area, that uh, we were commandeering all the water from Northern California via the aqueduct. So it, it just, it, and everything they're just speaking about today, it, 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 it touched me and I mentioned it because, you know, you, you can make certain assumptions about why things are, but you must determine who someone is and what they're about based upon your individual uh, understanding of them and relationship that you build with them. And if they do have a problem with you, it's on them. It's it's not on you. It doesn't preclude you from, would I have stopped buying sandwiches from that place if she had a problem with me because I was from Southern California? No, I kept buying sandwiches from there because uh, I have the, uh, uh, the power of choice, amen? That's a key word there, Lonnie. And I think even what Kevin was saying, it's about power. Yeah. I mean, you cannot like someone and it's no big deal because you have no power over me. But the moment you have power to influence how I live, where I go to school, you know, uh, what kind of education I have, what kind of job I have, then we see that racism can become a problem, right? Then we, then, and I think that was it. It's the power, because without power, you're really not a racist. Like I, you know what I'm saying? To me, right? I'm just using an example. If I'm walking down the street and, you know, you yell something at me, oh, you black, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I may not like it, but if now you have power to determine that one, I can't live in my apartment peaceably, you know, or you determine that your cousin is my boss. And so now you're going to tell them this and you're going to influence them on that. You know, if you have power to redraw district lines and associate money to different parts of the state or different parts of the district based on your power, then we come into something that's racist and then it does become a problem. Even if I can afford to send my child to a private school, my neighbor can and they're like, well, you know, it's not a big deal. It's like, well, to you it's not because you can afford to pay to send your child somewhere else. If I cannot, then this system has power and has clearly redrawn the lines. And I'm using something very obvious because for the most part, people know when there's good school districts and when there's not. <laughs> I don't think that anybody is debating, well, the child should just work harder. You know, if you have underpaid teachers and, you know, inapt 
school books and you know all these type of things the child can work as hard now that doesn't mean that the child should be bitter and join a gang and do those things I'm not talking about that I'm just talking about the fact that we can see clearly in just using education and redrawing a redlining of districts I don't know if redlining and redrawing are the same thing so let me not use that interchangeably because I think they are different I'll just stick with what I know. <laughs> I'm not trying to be super smart, right? So if we can tell by redrawing that certain school districts, even in the same city, have different types of money and access that are given to them. And then you find that only the people who live there or who can afford to only send their children there are facing a system that is rigged against them. I think it is a lot about power, but it doesn't, you can be racist all you want until your power, or if you have power to affect my life, then I think that that might be racist, but that's, that's just my take on it. Let me, uh, let me push back just a little bit because one of the, one of the big definitions for racism, uh, especially with the progressives is look, Blacks don't have power, so blacks can't be racist. Mm-hmm. And, and and the pushback that I would have on that is, look, uh, you leftist, progressive, liberal types who are so into this, why don't you come with me over to Oakland Saturday night, 2 in the morning. We go on East 14th and Foothill. You say blacks can't be racist because they don't have powers. Uh, you white man or white lady, you come with me. Well, I'll walk you over there, but I'm going to leave you there. And let's just see what happens to you. Uh, those the, Summarily, you could imagine what may happen, right? You're in a bad neighborhood, horrible hours of the night, on a weekend, brothers hanging out, and they're looking for opportunities. Now, here's the thing. You would say, well, they can't be racist because they don't have power, but they see you as a white person. They see a mark. They have power. It may not be economic power, but they literally have power. And you know what power they have over whether you're going to live that night or whether you're going to die. So power is not just to be viewed from an economic perspective. Power is, hey, it could, it could happen in a number of different domains. And in that case, those racist people who may come after you on East 14th and Foothill in Oakland on a Saturday night at 2.30 a.m. because they see a white mark, they have power. So, and, and they're gonna you take it out see. on you. And that's a yeah. racist, thing that they will do to you they will subjugate you they will jack you they will rape you they will kill you because they do indeed have power in that domain amen kevin but as a black person i could walk into a different i could walk into a domain where i'm going to be a target yeah. right so it's not just that black people are violent you know we're not just saying no. well only black you know it, it's the idea of one group of people 
So I think maybe I'm supporting your fact that I'm not saying that only white people can be racist. No. I'm saying it's attached to power. And if you have no power, then you're not really racist to me. Right? So if I have an education, like if I have an education, I grew up in a good neighborhood. I'm a black woman, okay? I have education, grew up in a good neighborhood, married a doctor, we've got money, and, you know, we send our kids to private schools, okay? So I'm thinking, okay, I can walk into, you know, Neiman Marcus, or I can walk into whatever, because I probably make more money than half of you combined together. I can experience racism from someone who has no power over me, you know, maybe just to influence my shopping, but they generally toe to toe, they can't, they can't hang with me. But this store manager or whoever, bank officer can decide to make decisions based on the color of my skin. And so I think that it's the power to affect my free choices that would make one racist. Just like if I, you know, if some white person went into, you know, some other, I I just, I guess I, are we really defining it by power over skin color? Are we defining it as just one skin against another? Well, I, I would say that, um, um, over skin color, but what you're dealing with is bigotry, but you still have the power to make choices about how you deal with that. So in essence, do they really have power over you? They have the ability to uh, show their bigotry towards you, um, but you have the power to make the choice as to either confront them um, exercise your rights to escalate um, the situation to upper management or what have you, or you have the power to go some someplace else. I, I think it was a great point that, that Kevin rose up because um, I was thinking about the uh, World War II veteran. This was a few years ago that was during the uh, BLM uh, foolishness um, that was taking place throughout the nation who was jumped on by about six or seven uh, male youth uh, who happened to be black. And uh, one of my friends was always telling me that blacks have no power. I said, well, they had power over that that World War II veteran who happened to be white because they, they beat him almost to death. And so I think it's a relative term, um, what power is. Um, I guess my, my, my key issue is that um, we're depicted as if we're depicted as perpetual victims because of our ethnicity, um, then those who have a progressive worldview who will say that we are uh, uh, powerless because of that. But then there's too many stories of us as individuals who happen to have the same paint job, who succeed in spite of whatever obstacle that's put in front of us. And um, so with this age of Darwinism that we live in that has effectively um, and, and uh, what's the term, uh, uh, infected um, our culture as to where we are deemed as less than, you still have um, black Americans throughout history going all the way back to reconstruction 
um, that were able to usurp the system or the power uh, that was in that system that would subjugate them to, to second-class citizenship. And, and I think that's the bigger part of who we are. And I, I think that's the part that really speaks to uh, what Kevin's outlined in this book as well, um, because we can see that we're not a, um, we're not perpetual victims, that we are a powerful ethnicity, um, as it were, and that we succeed in spite of uh, what was potentially and what was definitely done to us over, over history. Okay. We could probably go back and forth on a whole bunch of different issues. <laughs> but our our time and hour is up and you know, we will continue through the book uh next week. But it it definitely is something to think about about race being weaponized and because what I realize and what we'll find out if you keep reading the book, like you can't stop at chapter two and say, okay, I understand, <laughs> right? You've got to read the whole thing because Darwin is not the, Darwin is not it. What we're really getting to, we haven't even begun to discuss yet. I mean, the real problem the real issues of things that are happening right now, we have not even mentioned their name yet. So this conversation is still really fundamental. And so if you're listening or you're popping in and out, please don't be like, oh, well, they're not saying anything or yeah, okay, so what, who cares? What I want you to think about and to keep coming back, do yourself You'll do yourself your inju an injustice if you stop listening now, because this just lays the foundation for how we really begin to pull the threads and unravel what is systemic racism and white supremacy. If you don't understand this, it's like if you don't understand how to add, you can't multiply. And you really need multiplication to live out in the world. I mean, adding will just you know, <laughs> adding will just make your life miserable. If all you can do is add and you cannot, and you can't even multiply, you know, it's just, it's difficult. So we're only talking about addition right now. And this really needs to be important because then we can get to multiplication and then we can get to explanation, exponential factors, right? There's so much more to where we're trying to go. And so we're just taking our time because we want you to come along on the journey. We want you to see our thought process. We want to, to look at the facts. We, you, you want to know what makes the sausage, right? <laughs> and so we're like showing this is what we feed them. This is the, the facility that we, I mean, we're not even yet to really making the sausage yet. So I hope that helps. Uh, Kevin, Lonnie, give you last words and then we'll close the room. Well, um, I, I just want, I think your explanation there was excellent. And that's exactly where we are. We're at the sort of, we're still at the foundational stages, laying the groundwork for looking at this issue of white supremacy and racism. I mean, everybody is shrill and hysterical about this issue, white supremacy and racism. And we're having it overlaid now. So if you're against trans, you're a white supremacist and you're a racist. If you happen to be an evangelical, 
you're a white supremacist and racist and Christian nationalist. If you happen to be against the environmental, you're a white supremacist and racist. So, I mean, you know, at some point we got to understand what, what in the world, how can everybody be a white supremacist and racist? Just any dissenting point of view is white supremacist and racist. Uh, let's let's bring some rationality, some credence to this, and that's where this this vital foundational work is really um, uh, important. And I'm hoping that everybody will tune in, or watch the replay, share the replays, because we are getting into it, and this is not it, as uh, as Regina said. You don't got it. You don't got it, and you don't be woke up at the moment. Uh, we're gonna get there though. So uh, stick with us and we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yes, indeed. Um, I would add to what Kevin has stated that, uh, and, and, and I love this because um, I know that uh, Kevin and myself and possibly even uh, our lovely Regina has been accused of being a, uh, the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> so I don't know how that actually works, but uh it is a term that's tossed around, even if you happen to have the darker paint job. Um, I would just say um, uh, kudos to what Kevin and um, Regina are stating. And that, and Regina, I'm stealing your quote. Um, if you can't add, you won't be able to multiply. That, that's, that's definitely what I'm stealing from you. I'll give you credit one time, but I got it from you. I copyright and trademarked it, so you'll have to pay my <laughs> This is the end of our discussion today. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to hear your voice, so please consider joining us live on Clubhouse every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, have a great day.